Welcome to track number two of Church Planting. We ask that you guide us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Now, this uh, morning, I will be sharing with you I mean, today, I'm going to be sharing with you uh, more things about uh, what we started talking about yesterday. Now, um, yesterday, I I was sharing with you about what uh, John Wesley had said to uh, Rejoiner in the vision that he had. And um, I believe that that is very powerful. Now, I want us to get, you know, the, the books that I'm sharing from are uh, available. How many are going to get them? Because if you have this book, then we can all go through as I'm preaching. Amen. Are you there? Are you there? All right. Now, the purpose of this meeting is not to um, make you happy. Amen. I'm not trying to make you happy. I'm trying to train you to become a minister and to do what you are going to have to do for the Lord Jesus Christ in your time whilst you are here. Amen. How many want to do that? Do you want to be happy or you want to do his will? And you want to be happy as well. You'll be happy forever when you do his will. Amen. So, we want to train ourselves and get ourselves ready for the great work that he has for us. Okay? So, um, Church planting um, is what I'm sharing about now. Church planting. Because I believe that we want to plant churches. Amen. So I'm reading from my book. We have some copies here. You can get a copy of it. And not that you can, but I want you to get a copy of it so you can read. You virtually don't have to write any notes. All you have to do is to have the book. And then you will have it. Amen. All right. Now, the first point that I want to make is the first point in the book that the church is not really advancing. You get it? As we do a lot of church programs, we are not really advancing in many things. And God wants us to advance. Hallelujah. He wants us to move forward. And uh, we need to make real advances as a church what i mean is we need to move forward in reality and in truth okay there is no need for us to deceive ourselves about what we are doing when in reality we are not moving forward there is no point in us thinking that we are moving forward or deceiving ourselves that we are moving forward are you listening to me So what we need is advancement, real 
advancement. We need to move forward in reality. Where are the young men that came forward yesterday? The young men. Can you lift your hands if you are here? The young men that came forward yesterday. Very good. Okay. And I'm sure there are many more young men around. Alright. So, what we need is to be able to move forward in reality. Okay. Now, how do we move forward in reality? In Matthew 28, verse 18. Alright. I really wish I had this book in your hand so that... And there, I think there are only about 80 copies here. So... Please get one uh, in time. All right. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. All right. And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. Hallelujah. All right. Now, in this scripture, Jesus is saying, go into the world and teach all nations. Alright? Baptizing them and then teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. Now, this is the Great Commission. Now, traditionally, we think of this Great Commission as the commission to go and have crusades in all nations. Is that not so? Is that not so? Alright? Traditionally, we think that going to the nations and so on means go and have crusades in countries. How many realize that that's what we always think about? Okay? But that is not what the verse says. The verse says, teach them to observe whatever things I have commanded you. So, there is no way we can actually teach the people what we need to teach. Unless we gather them into a group regularly and teach them. Are you understanding? So to go into the world, teach all nations, and then teach them to observe whatsoever Jesus has taught. It's not possible unless you stay with the people for some time and actually teach them what Jesus has taught. And you think about your life, how long you've been in the church, how long you've been a Christian. It takes you so long to learn anything. Is that not so? I mean, I've been preaching since yesterday. And you can see that many of the things you don't really, really know them. You are in your Bible. But you never thought of it in that way. And you realize that you keep adding truth to what you already know. So it takes a long time to teach people. So to go to the nations and teach them whatsoever I have commanded you. Does not mean to go and have crusades. To go and have a crusade is the first step. In teaching them all things whatsoever. If you leave them after a few days, you cannot fulfill the great commission. How many understand what I'm talking about? You cannot. So, to teach them, and to teach the people, you need to gather them in a group. And regularly teach them. Now, that is exactly what a church is. A church is a regular gathering of people all right for the purpose of teaching them that's that's a church are you with me that's what a church is is the regular gathering of people for the purposes of teaching them whatever jesus said 
So in other words, to go into the world teaching them, teaching all nations is the same as go into all the world and plant churches. How many understand? If you've been up to class 3 or standard 3 or what do you have here? You have class 3 here? You can understand this. Up to class 3 can understand. Hallelujah. How can how on earth you say you are a Christian? I have come yesterday. I was teaching things that Jesus said and it looks like extremism. In this church which has existed for some years and you have also been in the church for years. So it will never take two days, three days or one week of follow up to teach all things that Jesus said. It takes years. So Jesus was saying, go into the world, all the world, all the world and teach people. Okay? Now this is the way to advance the church. And this is true advancement. We need to actually go to places and have people stay at places for long times. Alright? And teach for a long time, for years. That is how to advance the church. And that is what we have stopped doing. And that's what God wants us to do. And sometimes also, as pastors, you see, the Bible says that the honor of the king is in the gathering of the people. When a lot of people gather, it honors the king, it honors the uh, pastor. If it's possible to turn off these air conditioners, I'll be very happy. Some of these ones. Alright? And this one too. So when there are a lot of people, it brings honor to the pastor. Do you see? So what also has happened is that we as pastors, in order to, I mean, we, we think we are doing the work of God, but also, because it brings honor to us, to us, we also want to gather a lot of people in one place. Because I, I feel proud you know, of my church when I'm having a convention or a visitor or something and I have a very large crowd, I feel good. You get it? I feel good. And I feel better when there are more people. The more people that I have, the better I feel. It's normal. So because of that, we tend to want to have one big thing. Do you see? In one place. So that all the honor can come to us. Mercy. Zigzag. <laughs> so you find out that that now begins to counteract the vision that Jesus had of going into all the world. And the need to go into all the world cannot be overemphasized because people are in all the world. They are not in one place. From the moment we took off in Accra, flying to, to, from, from Accra in Ghana to this place, we've flew over people for six hours at the speed of 900 kilometers per hour. We're flying over human beings. Can you imagine how many human beings there are in this world? For thousands and thousands of miles, there are people scattered all over. So the church truly advances when we, when we follow what Jesus said, simple and short, go to a place and teach them whatever I have taught you. And that's going to take time. And to teach them, you need to gather them together. All into one place. Gather you together and teach you. Gather you together and teach you. Now, how can we do this? If we are not going to decide to be a church planting church. That's why I'm here. 
to encourage you and to help you to see that this is God's will. Many of us can be involved in planting churches. You can do it. I said you can do it. I said you can do it. And, 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 and you'll be surprised. Wellington, has your church worked? It's working. Is that not so? Who else are the other guys who went out to have churches? Basil, has your church worked? It's worked. Wonderful. Basil, stand up, please. Basil looks very quiet, isn't it? He looks very quiet. He doesn't look like somebody who is, you know, screaming and shouting, full of fire and the Holy Ghost and what. But his church is working. His church is working. Hallelujah. You see, that, you see, you, 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 it's not by it's not by looking rowdy or looking pompous. It's by being practically somebody who wants to obey God and somebody who is faithful. And God will use you and you will find yourself doing things. So church planting is the great commission. The commission that is great is church planting. Go and plant churches. And that's why I came to say to this church and any other church which is represented here, God is saying to you, go and let us start planting churches. Not breaking churches. Dividing. This is what we are doing. You join a church for some time. You become an associate pastor. Anytime the pastor travels, you have opportunity to preach. And you are always sitting there praying for the opportunity to preach. So that you can show the people that you are called. You are anointed. You are powerful. Oh Lord, when is he going to travel? When is he going to die? When is he going to retire? So I can take over. Lord, so that I can move into my gift and the people will see. And whenever he's preaching, you always analyze and say, you see, this message, he should have summarized it at this point. He should have added this point at that point. Why doesn't he use this scripture and that scripture? And you keep on criticizing and analyzing and, 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 and having negative thoughts in your mind. And think, you know, I could have done this one better. You know, when I preached this one the other time, 17 people came and told me they were really blessed. So I know it's a very powerful message. But the way he's preaching, you know, it's... it's you know, it's 40%, you know. Zigzag. <laughs> but all you need to do is to go out and try it. And you start to appreciate the person who sent you and where you came from. You know that it's not easy to gather 30 people. 30 people who are sitting down listening to you preaching. It's a miracle. <laughs> it takes God. <laughs> are you listening? Are you listening to me? Okay, so that is what a church is. Proverbs 14, verse 28, it says, In the multitude of people is the king's honor. That is why we want to have a multitude of people. But instead of having a multitude of people to have the honor of a king, let us send the people out. It doesn't look so impressive, but there are people. And one day, Jesus will give us a reward for all the good works that we've done. We don't need to impress anybody, we need to impress Jesus. I said we need to impress Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, the other point that I want to make is that if we do not plant churches or actually start churches, what is going to happen is that we are not fulfilling the great commission. Now notice, he said, go ye therefore into all the world, teach all nations. Amen. Now, who is going to go to these nations? Who do you think is going to go to the nations? Why does Interfellowship think that somebody else will go to the nations? I mean, that's how come nobody goes. Because everybody thinks somebody else is going. 
somebody else thinks someone else is doing it. Someone has more money than the others. Look, I went to a, a church in uh, America. Right? It's one of the uh, best churches. You, you probably know the church, Bishop Blake, West Angeles Cathedral. All right, I was I was preaching there, and uh, they had a missions conference, and uh, you know this that is a church full of film stars. Denzel Washington was in church. You know Denzel Washington? That's where he goes to church. He was in church when I preached Magic Johnson. That's his church. In fact, I did an altar call. Magic Johnson's wife came forward, also for something I was talking about these kind of things. You know, and I met other film stars, millionaires. And you know, these people, when they're doing their building projects, Denzel gave five million dollars for the, the building, Magic gave five million dollars. They just donate millions. I mean, they are multi millionaires. They can drop a million dollars, they wouldn't think twice about it. These are the members of the church. Then, during the missions conference, I brought out. Uh, Actually, that's it. West Angeles Church of God in Christ. This is a program. Tuesday and Wednesday uh, missions, World Missions Conference. So I began to read our missions, uh, the people that we have there. In Nigeria, we have a mission in Lagos. Uh, South Africa, we have all the ones I mentioned. Cameroon in Yaoundé, Sierra Leone, Freetown, Gambia. We have a mission. Pastor, all these are people we've sent from Ghana. Do you understand? Togo, in Lome, Ethiopia, in Addis Ababa, we have a mission. In Kenya, Nairobi, we have. In Lusaka, Zambia, we have a mission there. Zimbabwe, Harare, and Bindura. We have mission in Swaziland. We have a mission in Manzini, Uganda. Chris, in Kampala. Namibia, Kingsley's right here. Trinidad, we have a mission. Jamaica, Kingston, we have a mission there. And in other places, you know, as I, well, afterwards, the pastor, the head of the mission came to tell me, you know, I felt so embarrassed when you were saying this thing because, you know, we don't have even one long-term missionary. No, that's a church of millionaires. Compare how much money they have to how much money we have. Even you people here in South Africa, you have far more money than we have in Ghana. You see, your currency, one dollar is six rand. Ours, one dollar is ten thousand. And we used to be one dollar to one of our currency. One to, in fact, one pound to one CD. Or one CD to two pounds. Something like that. One to one. It's 10,000 since we had independence. Whosoever drinks of this water shall test again. Including the waters of independence. Okay, so our currency, you know, you see, uh, I, Pastor Gunaratnam, you know him, he came here the other day. He was in our church and then he said, you know, he wants to uh, uh, give a donation to the church. So he said, I'm going to give the church any amount that we raise, we're going to give up to $10,000. He will double it. Whatever offering we get, he will double it up to $10,000. So I said, fine. So he took the offering. He said, he wants to take care of us. I said, fine. So he took the offering. He said, he wants us to count it immediately and tell, tell him how much it is so that he doubles it. So he took the offering. We took the offering, special offering for whatever and so on. 
So they counted it and I was sitting there and they came to tell me, I said, how much is it? He said, oh, two million CDs. So he said, two million So he asked, so what, what is that in dollars? And I said, oh, two million CDs are three hundred dollars. Yeah. I told you it's ten thousand. Even then it was seven thousand. You know, we, we go in the thousands. We, we don't jump one or two, six point five to seven point five. <laughs> we move in the hundreds and thousands. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was so surprised. I said, ah. So I said, you see what we do as a church, even for me to buy a ticket and fly somewhere, it's miraculous. Oh yeah. It's a miracle. Because a ticket is thousands. I mean, it's a one ticket to come here is like ten million cities. Yeah. And somebody can earn, you know. 400,000 CDs. To buy a ticket, you have to go for 10 million CDs. You know, you have to save for 10 years without eating. (laughs) Do you understand? No, I'm, I'm just trying to say that sometimes, you know, we have something in our minds that he, he will do it or, or they will do it. No, this one has a lot of money. So he will do that. And these people and everybody thinks somebody is going to do it. And then in the end, nobody does it. So, you know, I decided I'm going to go. One day the Lord revealed, he said, go into all the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Go to the world. Do you understand it? Who is he talking to when he said go into the world? Everybody except you and me. It means me and it means you. Go into the world means go into the world. And that is exactly what I am doing. I have decided to go into the world. If the Lord opens a door for me, I'm jumping in. I'm going to all of Ghana, going into all of the world, anywhere. And you know, because I, I thought, you know, I, I used to think it's Americans who do missions. But many of the Americans are not doing missions. In fact, now the highest percentage of missionaries come from third world countries. Because Americans are not sending missionaries anymore. Do you see? And they are not so accepted so much anymore. Do you understand? And the world has become more racist and more divided along such lines, color and so on. You know, but they still have missionaries. But more and more and more missionaries are coming from the third world. And there must be more missionaries from you people have been so closed up in South Africa because of apartheid. You know, you have you have done everything internally. You don't know much about the world. You know, you need to open your eyes. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you need to go out of your country. Also, you need to see and learn. You need to know what you have. Because you are, you are like the richest country in Africa. You are like the richest country. Any church here is a church in the richest country in Africa. In a country which is like the developed world in Africa. Relative to the rest of Africa. You are like, you are like the Europe and America of Africa. You sit here. And it's interesting that you will now despise... Nigerians and maybe Ghanaians, I don't know whoever comes to, to, to you over here. You know, they don't have anything. They are very, very poor. Their leaders have stolen all their money. They are very, very poor and then they come. 
do you see? And so instead of criticizing, you know, you say, oh, this is a Nigerian guy who is doing this and who is doing that and so on. Instead of criticizing them, ask yourself what you are doing. And you are doing nothing. And you are coming from the richest country in, in, in Africa, doing absolutely zero for the world. Even zero for your own country. The largest church in Ghana is pastored by a Nigerian. The largest church in Ghana, charismatic church, is pastored by a Nigerian. The largest church in Europe by a Nigerian. The largest church in, 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 in London, in, in the UK by a Nigerian. Do you see? You know, they have also been forced out of their country. Do you see? But you have been kept in your country by your own prosperity, which you don't know. You don't even know that you have it. So when I read this list out, the guy said, no, I felt so ashamed you were reading all these places that you had missions and we don't even have one. What they call missionaries are maybe they will send two or three people during the long summer holidays to go and help with the church, carpentry, to knock whatever here and there to help to repair the church or do whatever and go on one or two outreaches and then they come back. That's what they call missions. Do you see? So ladies and gentlemen, I, I tell you, you cannot sit down any longer and expect that God is going to raise somebody from somewhere. You have to think of yourself as the person. This church has to think of yourself because this is a divine something that I'm standing here sharing what I'm sharing. Many churches will not admit me to their church to come and preach. But now you've admitted me here and I've said it. So you can't say you didn't know. You get what I'm saying? You can't say you didn't know. Somebody can say you didn't know, but you can't say you didn't know. This is church planting. Church planting is God's word. Let us have churches. The average size of a church worldwide is 70. 70. That's the worldwide size of a church. If you have a church with 70 people, you've got the average worldwide size of a church. And thank God for your life. If everybody here has a church with 70 people, thank God. If you have 100 people with 70 people, in their churches you have seven thousand people attending church yeah you see it's not as impressive but it's more real more substantial and it will last longer let me tell you amy sample mcpherson she built this huge cathedral in los angeles five thousand seater even before she died i think the services were no more full and i don't know if they were even running and then after she died, the whole place was abandoned. But the planting of the churches, that's what is living on. I recently, a few weeks ago, I was in Abuja, Nigeria, preaching at a four square gospel church, which is a church started by Amy Semple McPherson. And they have 8,000 branches, churches in Nigeria alone. Four square gospel church. That's the work of a woman. Who decide a woman you see that's why i say women you are special anyway that's the work of a woman and that is what has lasted the one big church has been closed down long ago like a museum but the church plants which are spread out those are the ones that have lasted and are lasting up till today in thousands and it's now one of the top denominations in the whole world that's all about, isn't it amazing the one big church. If Pastor Ray McCauley is not there anymore, that one big church, who can pastor it? Who will have the grace and the anointing and the strength to head 
a 20,000 or 30,000 congregation because there's a grace that is upon his life. Do you understand? Uh, who is, who, which, who, which person will have the whatever to step into those shoes? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Probably there will be somebody, but it's not easy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, we pray that there, there should be somebody. So, church planting is really a key to even bearing fruit that lasts. That lasts. Because there are many people who can pastor a church with a hundred members than people who can pastor a church with 20,000 people or 10,000. So, thank God for the thousands. But we need also the planting of church. And some of those churches that we plant will become very big. Some will not be big. Some will not even work. It's not everything that we do that works. Don't be afraid if it doesn't work. Even Jesus knew some of the things wouldn't work. He sent his disciples and said, go. When you go and they don't receive you, eh? in other words, it doesn't work. Shake your dust and quickly go to the next place. See if that one will work. If it doesn't work, stop it quickly and go to the next place and try. So even Jesus can send you to a place where it won't work. I met T.L. Osborne. He said to me, I was asking him some question, you know, and he didn't really understand what I was asking, but he answered another question. But he, what he thought I was asking was, do you have to pray specially to be led and so on? You know what he told me? To be led to go inside the church. You know what he told me? He said to me, don't be spooky. Don't be spooky. He said, we have too many spooky Christians. Just choose somewhere and go there. And stop being spooky. Tell somebody, don't be spooky. We are so spooky about all these Christian things that we are doing. And we end up doing nothing. Has God said? Has an angel sent me? Has the spirit said this? Has whatever said? And we are so spooky in the end, we end up doing nothing. And that's why he rebuked me and he said, don't be spooky. And he spoke to me very strongly. So when I was leaving, he called me. He said, come. And I came. He said, I'm sorry I spoke to you that way. Don't. I said, oh, no, no, not at all. He said, I hope you were not offended. Where's the picture? I hope you were not offended. That's a picture of myself and T.L. Osborne when he was, I was saying bye-bye to him. You know? Yeah. Don't be spooky. We are so spooky We are sitting here waiting for angels And spirits to appear Does the Lord want me to go to uh, Here or does he want me to go here Of course we should pray about it But hey when we pray we often don't hear anything So don't be spooky just go somewhere Find somewhere and let's just go. Okay? Are you there? In the Durban area alone, I want us to have at least 25 churches. In this Durban area alone. Amen. What do you think? Can it be done? And then I want us to believe God to have at least 100 churches in South Africa. What do you think? What do you think? Is it a good idea? Don't be spooky. Has an angel revealed it? 
Did Jesus appear in the night? No, he didn't appear in the night. No angel appeared. T.L. Osborne said, don't be spooky. Just choose somewhere and just go. He said, just go and do something. We keep on being so spooky in the end. We do nothing for God. So God wants us, are you listening, to become people who are going to do practical things, church planting. We go to places and we plant churches. Amen. Alright? So planting churches, above all, we must believe God to plant churches in virgin territories. Alright? But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come unto you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both into Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the nearest, most convenient and prosperous cities of the world. Is that what the Bible says? Unto you shall be witnesses to me to the nearest, most convenient, and most prosperous cities of the world. No, to the uttermost parts of the world. Uttermost parts of the world. But we have to start here and we have to go as far as we can go. And Pastor Oliver, can I say to you in front of everybody, don't think that God has sent somebody else to the whole world. God has also sent you to the whole world. So you have to also fulfill that calling. God has sent all of us to the whole world. All of us are called to the whole world. It's only that sometimes we don't even start going to the next place, which is Judea. That is why even the whole world idea never comes up. But God has sent all of us to the whole world. He has not just sent one person. He said, go ye into all the world. If you don't accept that scripture, then don't talk about promises, about prayer, where he said, whatsoever you ask in my name, I'll give. Because it's all in the same thing. He was talking to his disciple. So don't use it. If you don't want to use this one, don't use that one. They are all from the same mouth of our same Savior. Hallelujah. Alright? So let this mind be in you. Amen. Know that God is monitoring your works. Know that church planting is the way to go forward. Know that you are expected to accomplish great works whilst on this earth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for by grace you are saved. Amen. And that not of yourselves. Alright? Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Good works. And I shared with you yesterday the greatest work we can do to help anybody is to preach, is to teach, and to heal. Amen. Are you there? So God wants us to preach. He wants us to teach. He wants us to heal. Now finally, today I just want to show you two different types of churches before we get into uh, the next thing about actually, you know, what to do. Amen. How to actually do it. All right. The first thing is that there are two churches in the Bible. Uh, and uh, I want you to see that one of those churches was a church planting church. And the other was not. Okay. Are you there? All right. One was a church planting church and the other was not. Okay. 
So the Jerusalem church, I'm talking about the, this chapter is called Church Planting and the Jerusalem Church. What should you know about the Jerusalem Church? Number one, the Jerusalem Church was the first church. Number two, important people were in the Jerusalem Church. Number three, this was the church which was given instructions directly by Jesus Christ to go into all the world. And the very church that did not do it. The next one, they were very prosperous and flourishing church. Number the next point is that there was growth in that church. So the fact that your church is growing does not mean that God is with you per se. The next one, there was unity in the church. The next one, God gave them victory over every problem. Hallelujah. The next one, the power of God was manifested. Anybody who lied to the pastor would die. Is that not so? The people who lied to Peter died. Is that not so? Is it not a great church? Okay. They cared for the poor. Alright. But number 10, they did not obey the instruction of planting churches until catastrophe struck. They had all these to their credit. Except one thing. That they did not obey the instruction to go out until there was a great persecution. Bible says at that time there was a great persecution against the church and they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Samaria. So they did not go out preaching until there was trouble. Do you want trouble to make you preach? Do you want something bad to make you preach? Let us believe the word of God today as a church. This church must spend money going out. Out there. Let's spend money sponsoring people to be trained, to be released, to become ministers. Let's support them. Let's help. Let's train. Let's teach. Let's do what we have to do. Hallelujah. Alright? And then they stoned one of their up-and-coming pastors and he died. Alright? And that woke them up. I, in my book, I, I gave an experience that happened to me that made me also sit up. When three of my pastors died. Alright? Now, the Antioch church, the church in Antioch, this is, oh, there's also some things you need to know about that church in Antioch. Just like you say, there's a church in Durban, there's a church in Pretoria, there's a church whatever. The next one is, you have to know is that the church in Antioch was the most, it became the most important church. The church in Antioch. The next one is that the Antioch church where, the church where believers were first called Christians. The first revival took place in Antioch. And because of this revival, Barnabas was sent to help from Jerusalem. Alright? The next point you must know about the Antioch church is that Barnabas decided to get Paul to join him to help him in Antioch. See, they were all in Jerusalem. It's like the Jerusalem church was not moving. Let me tell you, when you don't do what you are going to do, God will raise up another place, another people, another group, which are not like you are you understand and whom you may despise because what is antioch when you say the name jerusalem antioch is nothing even what i'm sharing with you about antioch most of you don't know jerusalem is the important place jerusalem is the main place but now god is raising up a new place a new group who will do what he tells them to do are you listening to me do you want god to set you aside and raise up somebody else and another group to do what he wants to do no let us decide to do what he wants us to do now so 
Paul, got, uh, Barnabas got Paul to join. Now, the Apostle Paul made Antioch his church home. And he probably felt more at home in the Antioch fellowship, interfellowship, than in Jerusalem interfellowship. Now, there were many prophets and missionary-minded people in Antioch. The Jerusalem church was not so keen on outreaches because the big shots were there. All right? Acts 31 says that there were in the church certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, etc. Number seven, the Antioch church obeyed the voice of God when God sent to send people out. They boldly sent out their best apostles and missionaries to plant churches. As soon as the Holy Spirit told them, send people out, you get it? They immediately sent out their best apostles. Whereas the Jerusalem church, they had Jesus Christ telling them live. Jesus Christ was standing there and telling them, go. And they didn't go. These people didn't have Jesus Christ. They had the Holy Spirit. And at a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 13, the Bible says they were, as, as they were in the church in Acts 13, 1, at Antioch, setting prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod, and Saul. And then as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Alright? And immediately, they sent them out, and that was the beginning of Paul's missionary journeys. And through those missionary journeys, he established so many churches. By traveling, by moving away from security, by moving away from what he was used to, by moving away from everybody who was important, he moved out alone into danger, into risk, into high-risk zones. He moved out and started all the churches. And that is why he had so much to say. In all the books that we wrote, Ephesians, Colossians, Corinthians, Romans, uh, uh, Thessalonians He had a lot to say God gave him a lot to say Because he was traveling around Ministering to the people And planting churches everywhere he went Hallelujah Whereas the people in Jerusalem They had Christ himself They had books They had tapes They had everything They had TV They had SABC They could see the pa- big pastors They had people like Raymond calling himself here to preach And they wouldn't go God brought up a new name. And he always up a new name. Somebody no one knows. And I say, okay. You wouldn't go. I'll have somebody else to raise up, to send. As Antioch church, back to the Jerusalem church, you realize was a completely different kind of a, a group. And became the most prominent church. The Christian church of all churches. You get it. I believe that we become more the more we send. It must be valued by its sending capacity. Not a thing capacity. Can I say that again? Church must be valued by sending capacity, not its seating capacity. Value your church by the seating capacity. Value your church by the sending capacity. The ability to send. The ability to have someone who trained. Somebody whom you can send. Somebody who is son. Somebody who is your dad. Somebody whom you have brought up. And you can say, go and he will go. Go and he will go. Go and she will go. See you becoming powerful mystery amen how many want to do that are you going to do it wonderful amen so as we go 
Now, how are we going to go? The great key is I'm going to be sure now. I'm changing what I'm talking about. I've given you enough background for these things. Now, I want to share with you about lay ministry. All right? The lay people the ministry. Or ministry. They are two different things. Now, for us to go on, you listening to me, for us to, for us to proceed, we need to use a ministry or the tentry. Cannot use full time to add very much. Full time can be used but to a point. Are you listening to me? Listen, the income of the church is up to a point. We can only spend so much on salaries. Beyond certain point, the church cannot pay for it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? For us to advance, especially into Jerusalem, to Judea. Like for instance, just in, uh, what do you call it? In this area. Preto, uh, where are we? Durban. Yeah, Durban. Unless the person is at a certain level, we don't really need somebody to be full time. To pastor 60 people. You don't need to be, look, you don't need to be a full time pastor to pastor 60, even 100 people. You don't need to, you don't need to be full time. You, you can have a job elsewhere and help by contributing money every day to your church. What do you think? Huh? Is it a good idea? Or am I spoiling some people's jobs? To run the administration of a church of this side, you don't need more than two or three people. You need two people. It's true. You see, if you don't, the greatest missionary was who? I think they can't hear me. Give me some volume. Hello? Hello at the back there? Are you giving me volume? Very good. Who was the greatest missionary? Too much. I'll give you a book after church, I promise. Who was the greatest missionary? And what was the greatest key to Paul's successful ministry? Tenth ministry. He was not a paid person. Paid by who? Paid by who? When missionaries came from Switzerland to Ghana in 18 whatever or 17 whatever, who paid them? And how were they paid? And with which currency? We didn't even have a currency. Huh? They did what? Yes, Paul made a living making tents. The missionaries who came to Ghana, they didn't come expecting money transfers from uh, Switzerland to Ghana. There were no banks. They were asked to come and farm and make a living and use their support to start the churches, to do something. 
I am so grateful that somebody came to Ghana. Huh? Swiss people. And they died like flies. After three weeks, four weeks, two months, three months, most of them were dead. There's only one guy called Reese who didn't die. And he survived for two years. And he started, was able to start the church after about after some time. That became the Presbyterian Church in Ghana. And through that, Ghana is now a Christian, and I am a Christian. Otherwise, I'd be a Muslim. Definitely. Definitely. I'm so grateful. So, I'm sure you're also grateful. Huh? Yeah. So, for us to advance, we have to know how to do the work of God without being paid for it. That's why it irritates me when you have to have musicians, you have to pay. Everything we have to pay you. It's not a good culture to have everybody paid in a church. Where is the love for God? Where is the sacrificial work? Where are the things that we do that we do from our hearts without, I mean, asking for something for, for it? If God were to ask you for to pay for his things that he's given you, what, what will happen to you now? Huh? So ladies and gentlemen, it's very, very important for you to understand that we can actually do the work of God without being paid. Now, I have several people that I pay. Who are the people that I pay? Now, the people that we pay are people that we send to places where they cannot get jobs and they need to be supported or people whose ministries have developed to the point where they need to be full-time to attend to the ministry like myself I need to be full-time because if I was working at the hospital now they would be looking for me and I'm here in Durban do you see now if I had patients and I'm supposed to be doing a ward round this morning or I'm supposed to be operating, or somebody will be dying. I'll kill so many people by the time I finish what I'm doing. Do you see? So I cannot maintain that job. I, I worked at the Kolebu Hospital, and I was transferred to the pathology department. That's my department, right? But I can't keep that job. So I went on leave without pay. I think they sacked me by now. Do you see? Are you understanding what I'm saying? So we need to accept in our hearts the reality of lay or tent ministry working without being paid for God and at the same time doing some other work amen like uh, some other job like making tents business if you are a businessman if you are a businessman a businessman if you are a good businessman that is sometimes the best or a very good one because you don't have to go to work at 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock. You don't have to work on Sundays. You don't have to work on Wednesday evenings when you are having a weekday service. You don't have to work on Friday evening. You can always say, I'm going off on Friday evenings and on Saturday I'll do what I need to do. Or I'll come and do it in the middle of the night. Or if you are a student, it's also a very good thing. Because you can also adjust the times that you study. The times that you learn. 
So when you are a student, you can also be a good tent minister. I was a very good tent minister as a student. Are you listening to me? So ladies and gentlemen, there is now a, this concept, and I know that it's not much in South Africa. Pastors who are not paid. Is that not so, Pastor Oliver? It's not very common. Having lay people. Everybody is paid. And, and you see, it's like in a sense, it's, it's like people say, oh, there's no job, there's no this, there's no that, and so on. We have, no. Even if there's no job, let us not use the church as a way of living. You see, it will make your message change. Your message will change. You'll be pitiful. you always need money. you always preach to get money. I remember when I got married, there was a guy there who was, he was leading an all-night service, 31st night, and large crowd, you know. And he was preaching and he said, I've sacrificed so much for the Lord. And he said, even as I'm standing here tonight, I don't even know how I'll go home. I don't have any money in my pocket. But God knows. Then he started crying in front of everybody. The whole place was so quiet. Everybody was so sad. The poor pastor doesn't have any money. Don't you think that people will give him money after church? Everybody would like to give him something. You see, so your message will change. You get it? When you, you, you want rich people to be here, you want money in the church, you need money, and so on. But when you don't depend on the church for that, especially to have a church up to 100, ah, my brother, I am telling you something today. Believe God with me. God will give you gainful employment so that you can do that work and pastor the people. And when we have that concept, we can send many people. We can have 20 churches in Devon, 25 churches. We will not feel it at all. We will not feel any, we will not feel any financial burden. Do you think I have a financial burden if you have 100 churches in Accra? I don't have any financial burden. I don't feel any pressure. Because I don't pay them. God pays them. I don't have to pay 100 pastors coming with their pay slip every, what do you call it? I have to pay all of them. Man, I'll go crazy. They'll become like miners eh? in the mines. Coming for their pay, their wages. And they will be dissatisfied. They will be angry with the church. They will be angry with the senior pastor. And they'll say, look at your car. If you were to sell your car, we can buy 10 other cars for the junior pastors. They will be angry with the pastors. Look at your house. Look at how much we get and how much you get. One day, one pastor went in. They saw the salary slip of the senior pastor. And he said, what? He brought it. Look at how much he's paid. One million cities. And how, you know how much I'm paid? You're so angry with the pastor. And in the end, he left the church. Not our church, but some other church. That's why some of these things are secret. Secrets doesn't concern anybody. You don't need nosy pokers coming to find out everything. Do we know everything about you? Do you know I know how much you are paid? Why do you want to know how much I'm paid? In my church, before you come on the financial board to come and discuss it, you would say everything about yourself first. How much I'm paid, how much I have, what I earn, what I, before. Because you want to know how much I have and everything. And you, I don't know anything about you. 
<laughs> Are you there? And you don't have to have poor people on your financial board. The poor people are frustrated. They always be looking at you with the three eyes. <laughs> and you shouldn't let poor people count money. Somebody who doesn't have a job is counting the church offering. Do you understand? Somebody who doesn't have a job is counting a church offering. Somebody who doesn't have a job or a very bad job and the person is counting the offering, going to the bank and so on. It's a very dangerous thing. Bible says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. <laughs> Use rich people to count money. Amen. People with good jobs who look at them and say, why should I take this? What, what should move me to take this money? Why? What on earth would make me take thousand rands from the offering and go and use it for some who am i mad and somebody who doesn't have a job and he's praying oh god and all the rants are lying there and he's counting them oh man are you there all right so Because you see, after I've said all that I've said, and now you are really fired up and you are really going to go, the thing that will tie you down is money. And say, ah, we, we don't have enough money to pay 100 new people now. I know, before we even start. That's why I'm starting from here. And I'm telling you about the 10. And I want to establish it in your minds and your hearts. Decide to be a lay and paid pastor. And all the people in the church who we pay small, 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 we have to stop all those things. Small, 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 small tips. Some churches are a church of tips. Everybody is tipped something small for something small that he does in the church. Take this hundred rands for uh, transport. Take this fifty rands for uh, uh, food. Take this twenty rands for this. Take this. All those tips must stop. They are spoiling the church. Choir is, I went to a church, the choir is paid. Hey! Then, then the, the guy said, no, it's not the whole choir, just about eight or ten of the choristers we pay, then we give them whatever, and then the instrumentalists we pay, and then this we pay, and then that we pay. And no wonder the church cannot be completed. And everybody is disgruntled and discontented in the church. Because when you pay so many people, you can't pay them well. The fewer, the merrier. I said, the fewer, the merrier. The fewer people we pay, the more we can pay ourselves. <laughs> Zigzag. <laughs> it's true. And also, you need more multifaceted people to work. You need people who can do many things at the same time. You have somebody to answer the telephone. So you are a telephonist. Somebody to type a letter. Somebody to open the door. Somebody to clean. Somebody to clean the toilet. Somebody to... Somebody to stand as a security guard. One day I went to my office, I called my staff, I said, I'm sucking the cleaner. There's nobody going to clean. I made them bring a toilet brush. Come. 
and I took all of them. Let's go to the toilet. And I opened the toilet and I scrubbed the toilet. I said, bring the I scrubbed the toilet. I said, do you see? Can you do? Is it easy? I said, very easy. All of us can scrub toilet. I'm scrubbing for you to see. Scrub. Finished. All of us. I will not employ any cleaner to come and clean anything. Anybody you work here, we can clean the toilet, sweep your office, clean your office. Why do we need a cleaner in a church? When you come to work, can't you clean and sweep a small sweeping? How do we have to employ a new person who will come and steal and he will be sitting there looking at internet at naked women in the, in the church? He <laughs> doesn't have a cleaner. There's somebody to be a security man. You can have something that when the door opens, make it on that you know that somebody is there. How do you need a security man and a cleaner and a typist? The same person who types can answer the phone. The same person who answers the phone can be the security man. The person who's security man can also be the cleaner. Everybody, only one person. If you go to Germany, you see a big building, big stories. One, two, three, four. Only two people work there. <laughs> yeah. You see, only two people are working there. You come and you have so many people. That is why we can't do the things. So when it's time for us to pay somebody to be in a rural place, because that place, there's nothing there, there is no job, we have to actually support. That money is being shared to the telephonist, the typist, the security man, the cleaner, the this, the that. All those people are taking the real ministry money. Which one person can do? Are you listening to me? Yeah. So tent ministry, getting to the place where we now understand that we can actually do a lot for the Lord without being paid, is the key to now being released. You've got a job here, keep your job. What I'm preaching to you is not for, to make you uh, leave your job. Amen. So I want you to know seven things you must know about the tent ministry. Seven things you must know about the tent ministry. Okay? Please, are you going to get this book after church? Make sure you just get a copy quickly so that we can all, we are all just going through. Alright? Seven things you must know about the tent ministry. And read it. Very easy to read. Alright? Alright?